namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa uddhamdhammang sanghang namasami So as we're coming to the um, close, closing stages of our time together, and uh, you know, first of all, just to, of course, express uh, my uh, acknowledgement of your efforts and just uh, coming to an unknown situation, and getting up early and not eating afternoon. And, Living together, not being able to talk, having your gadgets taken away. <laughs> this is normally considered to be a punishment. <laughs> but I'm, clear, I'm sure it was made clear to you before you came. So, uh, what's going to be asked of you? So, I congratulate you for your courage and your sense of this is something you, you see as useful, you know, to really remove and change and put yourself in a strange situation to test yourself, see what's what's there and see what you can bring up of your own your own heart, your own body, without relying on sense contact, conversation, internet access, you know, familiar things, going out, socializing. And it can be quite raw at times, quite difficult. Very difficult. So it's a lot of just this is how you, you know, this really, this is you're building strength, it's patient, you know, just building up strength. And this is always considered really uh, fundamental, it's called building parami, strength, which means you do what's a bit difficult to do, and you do it with a sense of, okay, I'll take this on, and, you know, you develop some strength, and naturally your mind wants to run away, you don't like this, you don't like that, you just, you just keep going. And that's pretty uh, 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 powerful and, and tremendously uh, world-crossing. These paramis are called the qualities that cross over worldly dhammas, where the worldly dhammas now have to make things convenient, easy, comfortable, <laughs> automatic, switch something on, you know. And now, you know, you're putting that away. So it's time just to give a, a kind of a, you know, a synopsis, if you like, of some of the main features of uh, teaching and also a training. Consider training yourself, which is much more like uh, really looking into a lifestyle, life changes, or whole life attitudes, how to approach practice. So we're heading in the right direction, um, getting out of our ruts, getting out of our habits. And uh, so for this, we've talked a bit about uh, the um, cultivation of uh, a, firm, a firm reference point, the samatha, samadhi principle. You've got something where you feel pretty, you can go to, it's not too difficult, it's not too subtle just the presence of this body so your mind is running away running over here and you just keep bringing back to the experience of body direct experience of body and this acts as like a, a mooring post for the emotional tides and, and things that run through and you can make it something that's just simply sitting you know just the feeling of a back and an arms and legs sitting there and just holding it up and trying to make it steady first of all and just then so it's got a firm basis and then you can make it comfortable not because you're looking for pleasure but because you want the body to relax a little bit so that you're not um, generating more stress because we're trying to clear stress one of the signs of uh, that we're looking for is or we're attentive to is where there is stress because in this is where 
the traps, the locks, the bondages are the um, accumulations that we need to clear stressful quality so you want to get the body so it feels reasonably relaxed even if it's sitting upright so for this purpose it doesn't you know you just work, you sit for half an hour sit for 45 minutes and you just choose and so sit in a chair sit legs crossed sit different positions till you get something that's going to be okay and maybe you have to shift now and then but that's that's okay not to get too you know too um, rigid about how you do these things and if you maybe you will stand up as well and just even adjusting your position, posture, but you maintain that presence of body. And this is both because fundamentally it gives you some reference point that um, you can refer to something solid, substantial when your mind is spinning out. Uh, uh, this may, but actually, there's more to it than that. Because, of course, we could have a mantra, we could be looking at an image and focusing our mind on that but in the body, the nature of the body is it feels uh, uh, and it doesn't just feel um, tactile sensations, it also feels tense, disturbed, unbalanced you know? uh, sometimes it doesn't, you know, somebody goes numb or it feels itchy and restless. And it's not because of something touching it, it's because it's got internal uh, disturbance. If that internal disturbance is cleared, then you have a very pleasant, warm space, warm, steady space that your mind will drop into and it feels very comfortable. And then you can begin to you know, uh, enjoy practice and also cultivate um, Insight, looking into that mind state, taking, feeling you've got, you know, have access to something that lifts you out of the sensory stream of the world. If we have an internal pleasant abiding, then sights and sounds, entertainments and adornments don't really matter that much because you've got something better to live in. And this is a great advantage, happiness in the here and now, in this body through this body, so it's not just an idea uh, that you're seeking, something that's there for you. But of course, clearing these internal bodily disturbances is uh, rather, it's quite a process in itself. And it's not a matter of diet, though diet may be part of it, not a matter of, of resting or stretching or doing yoga or, you know, they, they can be helpful, certainly can. But there's another something else about the body that's very significant is that it is the place where uh, emotional impressions are registered mental impressions are registered mental impressions are registered yeah. now just when you go to this quality called chitta which is this immaterial or say mental intelligence or heart intelligence awareness and this is I'm saying it doesn't have access to the sensory world which is associated with the eyes the ears the nose the tongue and the body and also thinking these are all data that, and and what uh, the way that jitra and the body are integrated because the body, by its tactile, can only feel what's directly touching it. Yeah. Can only feel that in itself. Now this is useful, but of course, if you're in the forest, and there's a tiger coming your way, you don't want to wait until it gets hold of you before you get a response. <laughs> right? It's too late. So you have something called perception, which says when you see that stripy shape moving this way, manas, the mind organ, taps on the jitta and says, hey, get frightened, get an emotion going, you feel it. 
you feel terror or you feel alarm or you feel something or the other you know? so the, the, this something isn't actually touching you it's not touching you then it does touch you as a perception touches you and it grips you yeah? and you can feel completely shaken without anything physically touching your body it's obvious isn't it why does that happen because the manas mind taps on the chitta and says, doesn't say, but the response is, this is as if it's happening in your body. Now, this process of sanya, perception or impression, is very fundamental and of course it's necessary. So we see somebody smiling, we feel a little, oh, we feel relaxed, happy. We see them scowling, we feel a little bit alarmed. A bit of sense, mild sense of hmm, disturbance. Yeah, somebody screams at us. We feel certainly some agitation. Yeah, the sound doesn't bother you. It's the what the sound means that bothers you. Hmm? The impression, the sanya. And then you see someone you know, you feel fond of, and you feel the lighting up. And someone you really don't like, who frightens you, and you feel yourself closing down. And this is how these sanyas, these impressions, have an emotional uh, response that occur in the body. Does that because it touches, as it touches the chitta. You know, the chitta registers it by a bodily feeling. So mental feeling always has some kind of bodily um, reference, body correlative. What you feel in your mind, the body feels. What you feel in your mind, what you feel in your heart, your body feels. We know this very well with things like passion, anger, grief. We really feel those in our bodies. We can collapse. Bodies can collapse with grief. Flare up with rage. Fight. Uh, Almost go insane with, with, with fury and fight and kill. And we don't really, you know, the body's just so empowered with this passion. You can do that. Uh, through this mechanism, what, the sanya, the impression, that's my enemy, I hate him, he's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. That impression touches your chitta, chitta feel, body feeling, body responds. Now this is happening even in subtler forms. Yeah, so you come somewhere and you look around the strange people, you feel just a little bit tense, and then someone says, Oh, how lovely to see you, please come in. We've prepared a place for you. And I know, Oh, that's better. And <laughs> we feel a little bit more relaxed. This is the, um, the process that, that we experience. And of course, these sanyas are, uh, not, uh, are established through our life. Um, so, you know. Um, most important um, thing we're, we're on a watch for because now particularly we're not living with wild animals we're living with people so the impression of people is very significant of course when we're born we have parents and they are our world so you look, you know, you're getting your messages of being liked or disliked or what you should be or what you shouldn't be you're getting that, the sanya, the impressions from the voice, the approval, the warmth, or the lack of it from your parents, and that gets established, and you feel it. And so on, you go to school, and then you friends, and so forth like that. So you build up these, these kind of sanyas, impressions. And the nature of the impression, the sanyas, I've suggested, is that it generates a kind of a response, as in the case of Rage, where response comes up as anger, yeah, uh, yeah, or or fear, when we the response comes up as huddling, defending ourselves. So this this response is sankara. There's one aspect of sankara in chaitanya. It's a kind of response that occurs, uh, and that also is felt in the body. So when you, so that's just <laughs> sanya sankara and vedana. And these are three uh, words that are associated with what are called the five aggregates. 
This is what jitta establishes in order to navigate in this strange experience that it finds itself in. You know, it's internal and it's all this sensory stuff going on. You know, so it establishes these five aggregates. Let me say on the arrival of birth into a incarnate form, jitta establishes these aggregates. Just does it. The consciousness, first one. Well, consciousness means it goes out into what can I see, what can I hear. Establishes this link to the sensory world. It's consciousness, sense consciousness, and it establishes a link to the thinking world to to give me all kinds of information. This is consciousness. Consciousness, the Buddha said, is impermanent, conditioned. It just arises, and it's something that jitter generates, and it runs out into consciousness. As it runs out into consciousness, the act of perception, it, oh, that's that, that's that, that's that, and feeling, oh, oh, ah, oh, that occurs. So that, that aggregate, the feeling aggregate, unfolds within the, in that, yeah? And this is, this is then the consciousness acts as the channel, and then the sanya, the Vedana act as the impression, and then the Sankara acts as the response to that. So you get this is boom. So this is now the chitra is now navigating within this world, and then it starts to establish uh, within consciousness. That's a form. That's a visual form, tactile form, mental form. Yeah? So it selects this particular impression of blue, white, and yellow. That somebody's sitting there, you know, <laughs> wearing a particular set of clothes. That's that. The sanya says that's a form. Yeah, and you get the rupa form. No, so the chitta establishes these, and it rattles around in these, looking for a place where it feels comfortable and steady. Yeah, uh, and uh, teaching is. You don't find it doesn't find it there. Not in form, not in feeling, not in sanya, not in sankara, not in consciousness. It doesn't find it there. But it keeps doing it because it searches for that sense of feeling comfortable, okay, doesn't find it. Mm. Now this may <laughs> and of course when one looks at some of these terms, we chant them, you think, what's it? What's that? You know? In the in the Pali it's all nice strange words, but what you're experiencing is often a mix of all these happening and you can experience these happening all the time yeah. so a lot of your practice is just sensing some of some of this material now when we go into uh, direct experience of body you begin to experience um, the mental impressions that are established through this process of sanya. The sanya and vedana, sanya, impression, meaning, and feeling. And that has an impression, touches, and the chitta transfers that to the body. The body feels, oh, oh, that's nice. Oh, cake. Oh, wow, oh, great. You know, get Energy comes up into the mouth because you can eat the cake. <laughs> your tongue start, your mouth starts watering. You see a nice cake, and energy comes up here. It doesn't come into your feet unless you like kicking cakes. But yeah, but maybe you see a football it goes down into your feet. You want to get kicking it. So you know this is the the message sends energy into the body, feeling energy. And the sankara starts happening. So that's 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 the, that's that's the process of being alive. All this stuff happening. Now, uh, you know, this may just be kind of academic, but the main point is that also um, suffering happens. <laughs> that is, unpleasant feeling happens. Uh, and unpleasant feeling happens, say, uh, particularly not just physical 
that it's tactile because the tactile thing that's painful well, it goes away but then when you get emotional pain it goes in how does it go away? how does it go away? emotional pain goes in body reacts what are you supposed to do? now uh, uh, say if there's a sense of loss separation from the loved loss of a friend loss of a partner loss of a parent loss of a child extremely painful and it goes right into the body the body feels shocked and then we get grief maybe weep cry feel upset look around for some comfort you know search for something maybe over time that impression will gradually fade away because it's not as simple it's just the simple sense contact which just there it's there and it's gone because it, when it's in the mind it isn't gone. The mind keeps remembering it, remembering it. Oh, where is she? My wife, who just died of cancer. Oh, no, no, no. I come home and she normally meets me and she's not there. Yeah. She'd always give me that smile. No, she's not there. But the mind remembers it. And uh, over time, so we get the sense of the grief goes on. Sometimes when you lose a loved one, at least a year, you can feel really, really unhappy. Yeah. Oh, maybe, a, so that's a simple thing like that. Because the sanya, the mind remembers it, so it keeps, the body keeps feeling it, keeps feeling it, keeps feeling it, keeps feeling it. And uh, what do we do? What do we do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, to, to get away from this feeling. Do? Get away from this feeling. Yeah? Because it's nothing I can see or touch. <laughs> yeah? So ideally, what you do, <laughs> stay with the feeling and generate acceptance, warmth, assurance, and find this place in your body which is the, the center, the steady center, just as you're here, you're here, you got this. And your mind, emotions are swinging around, but you got this. You don't feel good, but you got this. Yeah? And uh, stay with it and just practice acceptance, gentleness, kindness, and then gradually the mind. Go, ah, ah. Takes a while. Now, this is because the nature of the body feels a lot, but um, unlike the mind, the body can feel two or three different things at the same time. When the mind hits the emotion, it just floods the mind. The mind is completely flooded with painful feeling. When you're in grief, there's nothing but grief. You look at the sky, you feel grief. You look at the sun, you feel grief. It's, it's everywhere, it just floods. When you come into your body, you feel there's this terrible, horrible feeling in your, in your belly, in your face. Down in my feet. That's okay. Feet don't feel grief. Yeah. Back doesn't feel grief. So you can refer to a calm place in your body, just as something there, and it gives you a place where you can be with the uncomfortable feeling, and yet also be with somewhere where you can witness the uncomfortable feeling, the bad feeling, the bad impression, and not just go into it and keep being overwhelmed by it. Yeah. So this is just something that is the, one of the gifts of the body. In this sense. Now, if we don't do that, we don't know how to do that because when you're in shock, often you just go into this shock state 
in your chest, in your belly, and you stay there, going, oh, why am I like this? I should try something else. And then, oh, forget it, have a drink, forget about it, you know. Those, rather, than tra- rather than feel the feeling and go to the whole body so we could, uncomfortable, uncomfortable, but you can bear it, uncomfortable, you could bear it, and then, oh, yeah. You've got to wait for the energy of the sankara, the panic, the fear to just drain. For the sankara has this energetic effect where you feel gripped by it. So if you come to the whole body, there's a possibility that that gripping, tangling, messy activity has got somewhere to go. So you create these drainage places, like in your back, in your feet. And it's not, you don't try and figure anything out. It's not something you can fix with your thought. You can't say, oh, snap out of it, everybody has to die, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> or cheer up, look on the bright side. But if we don't do that, that's the kind of thing that happens. Yeah. Oh, well, just uh, doesn't matter. I'll get over it, oh, I'll be all right. And this is called burying the feeling. And this is a very common strategy when we have deeply uncomfortable feeling and we don't know how to discharge it, we just basically shut it. So you lock it down, you shut it down, you suppress it. It's a kind of safety strategy that happens because I can't stand this feeling anymore so just get out of it. How do I get out of it? Well basically I close that part of the body. I kind of shut it down and I start thinking about something else. Then I'm okay, I'm fine. And this is, say, avoidance and distraction. So this is quite normal for people, unfortunately, or however. So because the feeling is uncomfortable, we go out of the body and we start looking at things, go to a movie, you know, think about something else, distract ourselves to get away from the uncomfortable feeling in the body. And also there's this sense of being able to to shut the bodily feeling down. The body locks, there's a sort of tension happens and things, you don't feel anything, so you're okay. Survival strategy. But it doesn't mean it's finished, it just means it's, 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 it's locked in there. So when you start to do body meditation, isn't it funny? Wow, what's that? <laughs> because with a little bit of relaxing, some of these things start to open up. And you, oh, what's going on? I don't know. There's negative moods, negative impressions, strange memories coming up. Shut it down. Concentrate. Shut it down. So then you do this same thing. So rather than witness, be with the feeling, be with the impression, the sanya, be with the sankara, but actually be with it but not in it. So it's like we're standing on the bank, the river is flowing past, we're not in the river, we're not looking the other way either. Yeah? So that image, you know, so we're not just in that river, but we're not looking the other way, we're, that's that. And sometimes it's very turbulent. But if you keep attending in that way, and just get down to whatever the thoughts, doesn't matter, whatever the emotions, yeah, but just try to feel what the body is feeling, in this sense. The body is feeling hot, tangled, uh, and in the sense of, where's the whole body? So you refer the difficult area to the whole body and practice metta, essentially. (laughs) Metta, in this sense, is just the sense of just pure, unconditional acceptance. No resistance, no punishment, no running away, no blaming, anything. 
just there it is. This basic sympathy, like you would have for a, you know, a dog that's shivering. You think, oh, you know. So you're doing that, and you don't really have to. And this really helps things to unfold and release. Now, as we all know, in meditation, there can be quite a lot of chattering mind going on. Uh, chattering mind, and we think, oh, probably it's my mind thinks so much. Uh, why is it? Why does it think so much? So you can witness your thoughts coming and going, and thinking, well, this is I'm doing vipassana, I'm watching my thoughts coming and going, and this is true. But you're not watching the feeling. The thoughts aren't really, uh, uh, they're not that important really. You see, it's, it's, it's uh, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vijnana, Rupa, is what we're, that's the presentation, not thoughts. Thoughts are just kind of froth on the surface. So you come to this, so you, it's a bit of a distraction. You're worrying about what you're thinking about. But you can pick up the tone. Because the tone of the thought, the mood of the thought, is an indication of the emotion. And you begin to recognize why we think so much is because it gets us out <laughs> from our bodies, which is too uncomfortable. It gets us out from the here and now, which is too uncomfortable. It gets us out of the emotions, which are too uncomfortable. So we just start spinning, making, building castles in the sky planning the next castle in the sky because you get away from yourself you get away from yourself yeah? and that's what thinking can do for you gets you away from yourself and it can be very entertaining and interesting and sometimes pathetic but it, it gets you away from yourself and uh, all we want to do is not so much you know, to stop thinking but really to stop it wisely What's this thought about? Because then it's the key to to insight, to liberation, and this means that that still the the emotion, which we haven't really acknowledged because we've moved away from the whole embodied experience into our thoughts, it's still there in the thought. It's still coming through. And you just, what's that? Some of them very easy, feeling really irritable, irritable finding fault with everyone. And even that means you have to recognize it because you can say, well, you know, she is this and he's not that and he never does this and they always do that and this is wrong and that's wrong. Wait a minute. All I'm seeing is the faults. Something wrong here. I'm not seeing the goodness, the generosity, the commitment, the patience. The I'm just seeing these little things that annoy me. That's straight. What's happening? So we recognize irritation, ill will. We recognize it. It's always very justifiable. You know, she didn't turn up on time. True, but why are you so irritated? Okay, doesn't matter. Feel the feeling, the irritation. How's that in your body? You're kind of itchy, restless. Feel it there, and open your body, whole body, and you begin to let go of a little bit of this anger, irritation. <coughs> so if you do that constantly, you know, thoroughly, it, people don't annoy you anymore. <laughs> people know better, but they don't annoy you. <laughs> You wear out your 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 your, your irritation uh, chemicals have just run dry. You discharge them. You think, oh, nice like that. <laughs> Not so good, but there you are. You know, it doesn't get into you. This is when your system is relatively clean. You know, we still acknowledge these disappointing experiences, things that we don't like very much. And then we just, okay, go in, release, check. Check the feeling of the thought. Feel it in your body, whole body. Accept. 
inquire what's going on this is sanya sanya the impression of uh, what what's the impression you know, I want it this way and it's not that way I want it like this and it's not like this therefore I feel unhappy insecure and so then you get the this the sanya and then the sankara means we we search for to be everything our way to control things everything's my way then i'm okay you know, it's very common for people uh, because the sense of everything being my way makes me feel a little more safe and in control uh, yeah. And that's a very strong uh, uh, process, particularly for people in urban or what we call you know, uh, society, where there's a lot of this going on. There's a lot of behavior, training in behavior. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Don't do this, do that. Do what your mother says, do what your father says, do what the teacher says, do what the group says, follow this, conform. Otherwise you'll be dismissed, blamed, so forth. So you get this sense of that. And then you start to do it to everybody else. And they do it to you, and you do it to them. <laughs> because it becomes established as a kind of pattern. Uh, depending, you know, I mean, on, on your karma, on your history. So, you know, my, my upbringing was fairly, fairly free. So I don't really have a particular problem with things not being quite straight and neat and tidy. It's just life, you know. But I know some people get very, very upset about it. The cushions aren't straight, you know. This is disrespectful. Um, I don't think so. Uh, you know, and, and get very upset about it. So it... it uh, this is the kind of thing that we deal with, social pressure becomes established as sanya sankara and that starts to create these tracks that our mind runs down. We search for order, we search for right and wrong, we search for things being neat and tidy and that's quite common for people and you witness that, what happens when it's not that way? Mm. Yeah, I feel myself getting a little bit righteous. Oh, very good, very good. Right, we've, we've opened something up here. Very good. <laughs> it's not glamorous when you start to discover these things. You know, okay, but if you're into truth, you want to know about it. And, oh, there's that righteousness and blaming people. It feels like this. It feels like this. Now, can I discharge that? You open these things up and feel them in your body, you let them drain. Now in our human world, unfortunately, there's a, a quite a considerable amount of uh, abuse goes on. People beat each other up. Uh, there are wars. Uh, there's violence. People get raped. Uh, people get attacked. Yeah. Um, parents beat their children either physically abuse them verbally abuse them and they do that because their parents did that to them so that's what they know and they want their children to behave they don't want them to be noisy and running around behave, so whack, give them a whack stop it and so this kind of thing goes on not unusual unfortunately so you get this when thinking of when one is very young and quite open and unprotected and you get this kind of sense of not being good yeah, being unwelcome not being loved, being wrong it's a very unpleasant feeling very unpleasant impression, you feel very insecure and you close it down so you just, just I'll do whatever, you know, I'll behave you get frightened into good behavior. And so this is quite uh, common. 
and so a lesser or greater degree, we get frightened into good behavior, not loved into good behavior, but frightened into it. If you behave wrong, you get punished. Yeah. So we get behavior or law and order established through fear and blame. And the fear is you will be thrown out, you'll be disregarded, you'll be punished, love will be removed from you. And that works. It definitely keeps people, it makes people behave. But it doesn't make them happy. And it doesn't make them wise. It makes them repressed. And you close down with fear. And then, you know, so I say, well, you, you, should, you should be uh, grateful. Okay. <laughs> you should be polite. Okay. You shouldn't complain. Okay. And also, you should be work hard to get good results. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the person gets kind of driven in that direction. And uh, the feeling, if you don't, you will be dismissed, despised, thrown out, and so forth. So this sanya sankara gets established and embedded in the body. Yeah. So the body closes down, and the mind feels doesn't know where we are. Feel insecure because we can't feel. So instead, we go out to sights and sounds and this, that, and the other to find somewhere because we're not haven't got a home. Our body is closed down to, to stop feeling these terrible feelings, which you shouldn't feel anyway. You should love your mum even though she beat you up. <laughs> and so you feel guilty about it. You don't like the guilt, so you close that down. So it goes on, this kind of, you know. And uh, certainly, you know, I go to retreats and listen to people, and you, it's unfortunate. It really is quite shocking. You say, oh yeah, my, my dad used to beat us up. He was a Marine. So when he got back from war, he was so messed up, and brutal and violent, he just had an uncontrollable rage. So if the kids started running out, he'd just bash us. Well, what happened to him? Well, you know, he had to go in the army. He didn't want to go in the army. They were fighting this war in Vietnam. He had to go into the army. Got totally brutalized. The people, the officers scream at you until you become brutal. Then you've got to go out with a machine gun as fires and bombs and shooting people you don't even know in the darkness. So you're totally traumatized <laughs> and shattered. You drink to try and get rid of the pain. Then you come back and they spit on you for being a failure. And I'm reading this uh, terrible story of a, a, a man, Claude Thomas, and he's, he'd been uh, drafted into the, into the army, military, went to, had to go to Vietnam. He didn't want to go, but he had to go. He just, you're out there, you just notice people out there trying to kill you. They're in the dark, in the darkness, there's people trying to kill you. There's guns going off, there's bombs, and there's grenades. He's, you know, he's totally scared. All you know, just get a gun and start shooting anything that moves. <laughs> so in this kind of totally manic, wild, berserk state. And then after you get a, a break, and then you just drink or smoke smoke marijuana to try and get out of it and then after a few, after a few while you go back and he said he, he did this and he went back it's completely shattered and he got to back to America and the first person he met him was a peace protester who didn't disapproved of the Vietnam War so she spat on him <laughs> welcome home And they say more more soldiers killed themselves than were killed by the, the Vietnamese. More, we, they took their own life because it's just too painful. And those who didn't kill themselves, most of them drank, got addicted, went psychological disorder, you know, go to jail because they're just such wrecked people, you know. And that's 
And so he was one of these, and he said, uh, he was just, and so they get some rehabilitation unit in America where he goes and they try to help him. And he, he's, and they said, well, somebody gets this idea, there's this monk called Thich Nhat Hanh, who's teaching peace. He's, he tries to help people. He teaches peace and kindness and compassion. Go and see him. So he went to some talk or another. And he says, he's Vietnamese. And he gets a kind of fear. Because these are the people he's been shooting. <laughs> and Han's really sweet. And, oh, yeah, okay. And, it's, and so he's just really so, so moved by the fact that he's the enemy is more kind to him than his own people. <laughs> and he says, so they said, well, you know, you can go to stay in Plum Village in France, where, they, where Thich Nhat Hanh lives. Oh, you know, how do I get there? And in the Vietnamese community in America, they got some money together to give him a uh, fare so he could go and live in. They said, these are the people I've been killing. And they give the money to go and stay with this same master. So he goes over there, and of course they're all Vietnamese people. And he just feels this fear. They're all kind of, okay. He said, even then, he still, he couldn't, he had to have a separate area with kind of markers around it, because anybody come anywhere near that in the night time, he'd just get up and kill them. Or he'd feel, he feared he would, because his reactions were so strong. You know, so he'd have to have an area where he'd be left alone because he just felt he was too dangerous. If you heard an aeroplane going overhead, he hit the ground. And he just, it was complete reaction, nothing he could do about it. He said, even now, many years later, I get two hours sleep and I wake up with fear. But just being in that quality, that atmosphere of complete compassion and acceptance, particularly in the presence of the people he'd been killing, <laughs> They look like the people to me, the people you're frightened of. Just, you keep meeting this trauma and gradually meeting it and being held with compassion, acceptance and kindness, just finally, you know, coming out of it, coming out of it. And uh, eventually just dedicating his life to, to peace and doing peace pilgrimages and peace walks. And have a sense of, you know, trying to cultivate some sort of forgiveness and redemption and atonement for the killing he'd done. Uh, and you think, well, yeah, but it wasn't even his fault, really. He didn't want to do it. You know, this is the, this is the state, the condition of the, uh, you know, uh, the human being these days is, you have know, the society and the government, and you just do things that you have to receive, the government doesn't receive the results of it, you do. <laughs> the you know, president doesn't receive the results of it, you do. He didn't go out there and get shot up, he just sat in his chair, <laughs> safe. So the whole nation gets totally wrecked through these crazy ideas that, um, you know, tr truth, justice, democracy, freedom, liberty, you know, Anti-communism. What's he talking about? It's just people. <laughs> people disagreeing. That's all. <laughs> they had to kill each other for it. And you see the power of this. You know, the, then the ditty, and then that transfers down into people's bodies, and, and then turns people crazy. So, you know, I, 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 see, I hear about this, I see, and I see quite a bit of it. And then you see people, his, his father was a Marine, so his father was completely crazy. <laughs> and got very angry and used to beat him up, so he's crazy. <laughs> so he gets violent, and he gets, abuses his wife, so she's crazy, you know. Where does it stop? <laughs> Where does this thing stop? And you have to just, you know, this is what, what some of the Dhamma practice is a place where it stops. You feel the anger and you feel the violence and you feel the fear 
and you stop and you you feel it because you've gone into you dropped into your body where all this disturbance is and these and then you well then you've got your feet you've got your back you've got space around you you've got reminder you've got the reminder you've got the dhamma this is a sankara it's not who you are this is sanya it's not who she is it's an impression remember that's not your mother or your father, that's an impression of them, right? And even though you remember this in your head, still that can only help as something to serve. You just just feel the feeling and stay present. And if you can, bring up a quality of acceptance or even a memory of something blessed just to help. And then you let the process roll through. So you find yourself feeling upset, angry, confused, it's fine, just stay present. And this is, you know, one way of looking at the healing power of insight, of meditation. And this is not meditation where we're kind of getting into nice, you know, special sublime states. This is healing. And it seems there's quite a lot to do. Necessary to do. And often people don't even really know what's 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 there. Yeah. But they know what's not there. They know the loving kindness isn't there. They don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel happy. They know that's not there. And they try hard. And they work hard to feel good enough, and they don't feel good enough. And they do all kinds of interesting things to make themselves feel happy, but they don't feel happy. They think, I've got a good job, I've got money, I've got an apartment, I've got a car, I've got a television, I've got... I don't feel happy. Something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? I'm a bad person messed up person, bad karma, failure, something wrong with me. Everybody else is happy. They're not happy either. But they just look happy. <laughs> yeah? So you, then so you, I don't want everybody to know that I'm not okay. Because then if I'm, if I'm kind of a bit of a mess and other people know it, I'll get rejected. So I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine, you know, I'm okay. You're not okay, you know it. So now you know you're a liar as well. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes, somewhere it just has to stop and own up that you're not okay. It's not okay because you don't feel the love, and you don't feel the happiness, and you think it's your fault. That doesn't, it doesn't matter whose fault it is now because it's right here. Yeah. I remember talking to a, a woman and you know she was really good sit right in the front row meditating straight as a straight as an arrow didn't move oh, wow she's impressive um, really obviously very diligent trying hard and so I remember I had the interview I said, well, you know, so wh- wh- why do you come here? What, what's your interest? And she says, well, she was, must have been in her 40s, I suppose. She said, oh, about, uh, after 15 years of practice, I, I had a moment when I felt some loving kindness. Uh, and now I'd like, I'd like to have that again. <laughs> she had one moment of metta in 15 years of practice. So all this, because she was trying so hard to meditate to get it right. <laughs> so it looks good from the outside, and yet because there's no acceptance and no warmth. And so that translates in, I have to try harder. If I tried hard enough, I would feel good. Yeah. And this thing keeps going for people, try harder. 
meditate harder. Something wrong with you. So you say, oh, no, I'm uh, another, another very fine person, you know, so can't feel a body. So I cracked her, talk, I coached her for two years. Eventually, she, after two years of practice, she could feel her feet. <laughs> she was just completely seized up <laughs> through, through, just through pressurized work. She was completely seized up. Everything was seized up. It took two years to find out where her feet were. Yeah. And this is sort of stress. Another woman, it took her, she, she, she knew what this word relax meant. She knew what it meant, but she couldn't do it. She didn't know what it meant, really, as an, as an experience. She'd never had an experience called relax. So, how do I relax? <laughs> Tell me what I have to do to relax. I said, well, you know, like, relax. But what do I have to do to make myself relax? I said, well, uh, you know, like, relax, take it easy. But how do I do that? So it took her two years to, and eventually she found, so I said, well, can you feel what's happening in your feet? Feet? What feet? <laughs> again, she took her two years to get to find out where her feet were, and then walking. Oh. Oh, this is relaxed. <laughs> Just stress, you know, trying to be better, trying to be good enough, trying to work hard, trying to get the results, trying, trying, trying. Why do you have to try so hard? Because there's no metta, there's no acceptance. Yeah. You know, somebody who, you know, another fine, fine, intelligent. Diligent, good precepts, good, good, good woman, you know, and she just sits somewhere and if anybody, you know, said anything nice to her, she just completely closed down. So oh, it's really good, she closed down. She couldn't stand it. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't stand it, the impression. Because it, they're just the quality, she got so defended against... Um, you know, other people, that as soon as anybody just tried to directly approach, you just cl- close up with fear. Yeah. And again, it's because of this kind of pressure to be good enough, accepted. And then you gradually hear the story, you know, high pressure, parents, no, no loving kindness, not enough loving kindness, not enough acceptance of kids being messy, scruffy, noisy, the way they are, they're supposed to be. (laughs) And so just a sense of safe to be how you are. And then they begin to melt some of this frozen sankhara. And then you, then you, you know, metta, begin to sense in your body, you're clearing out these old, old karma, old habits, old patterns. Well, the path of liberation is sometimes called, you know, the karma that leads to the end of karma. And this, what's that mean? It means all the old karma that's stored in the body is cleared out. Or it doesn't affect you anymore. We've all done stupid things, we've all done crazy things, we've all probably been hurt and accused and insulted and so forth. We've all done silly things and hurt others. And yet, it doesn't have to be stored (laughs) because the body has been cleared. So you haven't got this sense of stored up, residues are gone. You've done the work of clearing the past, even the past you didn't even know about. Because it's often the case when the body is closed, you you don't even know what's not there what's there, but you know what's not there. So often the big test is, can you experience goodwill towards yourself? Uh-oh. <laughs> and you think, oh, no, I didn't, I don't know, what's that? And unfortunately, 
this word, for example, the word love, people don't know what it means. They know passion, yeah, they know that one, erotic passion, know that one, yeah. You know something like um, having some friends you entertain yourself with, so going out and entertaining yourself, chit-chat, you know that, that's kind of, that's love, isn't it? Maybe. You don't know the love that just sits around you when you sit down. You sit down, you feel the sense of... They don't know that one. So until you know it, how can you do it? (laughs) Until you know it here, how can you possibly give it to anybody else? And uh, people can experience much of their lives never having felt that sense of safe, how you are, that's fine. That's, that's accepted. It's funny. It's, uh, and there's a sense, sense of um, warmth that when you have cleared these, these signies, this terrible stuff, it's pretty natural. You know, it's pretty natural. It seems that it's just it's, it's like I think the Buddha himself. He didn't tell you how to do it. He told you how to extend it. <laughs> so just as he says, just as a mother protects with a life, it just get to that that feeling of being looked after by your mother. You get to that feeling, and then you can just send it out to others. But it does, of course, depend on <laughs> that sense of being lovingly accepted by one's parents, which isn't always the case. So where does it come from? Well, we have to patiently remind ourselves, touch into. The body still, the body still, the heart still, essentially, its nature is sympathetic. It means we feel things. And you see another person suffering, you feel something. And you see another person happy, and you feel something. You feel it. And now, you're just trying to look at yourself. Place yourself there, if you can. And don't judge it, and don't change it, and don't fix it. And just, oh, that. Yeah. So we, this is the way we can begin, you know, we recognize, accept, and then inquire, investigate what's really happening, what's being felt, what's needed now, what's needed now, what's needed now, just this sense of open, loving acceptance, doesn't mean everything is fine, it just means right now we're not going to you know, create ill will around it, or fear, or guilt, or regret. And this allows uh, to, to see things wisely, say, yeah, I won't act on that, but I can accept its presence, and I can release it. If you can't accept it, you can't release it. If you don't know it, you can't eliminate it. If you don't touch it, you can't let go of it. <laughs> So you have to be able to touch it in order to release it. You can't release it like stand back and you know go away. You have to be able to hold it carefully and release it. This means a lot of sense of, of you are worthy enough to hold and sense your discomfort feel it, and start to get the sympathetic response that allows you to say that's dukkha. It's not self, it's the sankhara. It's the sankhara and it's subject to change. I don't need to keep acting on that. So then, and that's the beauty of it. Sankara, however deeply 
stirring they are, always require energy in them to keep them going. Always require some energy to keep them going. If you don't put any energy into them, you don't put any action into them, you don't put any reaction into them, they just fade out. It's like you pull the plug by not reacting, not explaining, not resisting, not following. You pull the plug, same kind of... Mm -hmm. Where did that go? <laughs> and then you can find yourself, you, let, you arrive in this lovely open space, which is the place the Buddha lives. Space of non-attachment, space of dis disengagement from Sankara, a place of dispassion, a place of no heated emotions, a place of coolness, where things cease, and dukkha ceases. And this is the important place to, to know. And you go there, the way you go there, essentially, is in yourself through your sankharas. Not separate from them, not following them, but through mindfully holding and practicing with them. That's the way you go for, for deep insight. The rest of our practice is just about getting the strength, the skills to manage this, this process, this task, this work. And uh, hopefully during these few days we've at least begun to bear that in mind, to think about it. Some of these teachings you get it, you hear it, and maybe, you know, two years later it comes to you. you go, oh yeah, that's what I do. You don't always get it on the on the first day, but you can you can store it up, and you know, the very simple words once again, you know, recognize what's going on, recognize how you're being affected, accept it that you're affected, inquire what's this about, what's happening, bring in that quality of what's needed. What's needed now? What's needed is probably stay, linger a little bit longer. Stay with this, stay with it. Don't run away. Stay with it. What's needed? What's needed? Goodwill. 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 And then you get the release. So this is a <laughs> synopsis that you might find helpful to bear in mind and uh, offer for your uh, assistance in your life, in your practice. Hey, well. <coughs>